Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. That'll work. Good evening. Good evening. Oh, I need a hero. I'm holding mm. on for a hero. What? Really? It's you. What? It's oh, you. thank you. You're my thank hero. you. I have. Yes, well, I have a sequel coming out in 2022. <laughs> it's good to know. Uh, it's good to know. Part of several major arcs. I'll start getting prepared for that now, right? You should. You're going to need get... a lot of cos- cosplay, Merlin Man cosplay. Got to get the excitement. <laughs> I, I wear my Merlin Man cosplay every day. Yeah, me too. I have a. I basically printed out your uh, your avatar and I cut it into a mask and I just wear that. That's okay, right? It totally, it totally works. I just I get the harassment that I get for being. Uh, it's a really it's a full time lifestyle Merlin Man cosplayer. You know, it's always been hard for me to walk down the street, but now it's uh, it's really rough because hardly anybody recognizes me. Recognizes me. It, 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 I consider that a form of harassment. I'm like, hey, look at me. You used to be Merlin Man, and they're all what? You could call a cop. The guy with the shoe, right? The guy. Yeah, that's right. I used to talk into my shoe. <laughs> now I'm confused. You uh, on your one of your uh, 14 other programs, you uh-huh. were talking to uh, Jason Snell about time change. Yeah, it sounds like it moves like waves of time, where sometimes it works for you and sometimes it works against you. Right. So currently, mm-hmm. um, we we moved to daylight savings time uh, on Sunday, last Sunday, um, and you guys change next Sunday. So at the moment. Um, everything is an hour earlier for me, so this this should be seven p.m. But actually, it's si- it's six p.m. So so mm. we're we're an hour closer to you. But that's so only you did for one you did week. not misspeak. You really because you guys get like a different season there than we do, right? No. Uh, well, like what season are you moving into now? Well, we're about to move into <laughs> we're about to move into winter. Winter, okay. Yeah, we don't so have, you, we you don't consider have yourself in autumn? You're kind of an autumnal right now. Yeah, I mean, I think technically it is already winter, I think, maybe. I don't know. It's getting cold. Does that mean winter? I think that means winter. I'm kind of confused. I thought you guys were like Australia. I thought I thought you got opposite nope. seasons from us. No, we're in the same hemisphere, so... Okay, which one's Mel Gibson? Is he? He's from Australia, right? <laughs> I think so. Isn't he the racist one, or is that somewhere else? That, that, that could be him. Okay, I, <laughs> I should probably review... Let me check this list. I got a couple <laughs> things I need to look over here. I think I... I think I might be getting things confused. Now, Ireland, part of Ireland's in the United Kingdom, and the other part's uh, in the north. Is that right? No, the rest of it's in the south. The, the northern part, Northern Ireland, that's part of the United Kingdom. That, the great part of the United Kingdom. And Northern, northern yeah. Ireland. Where, where's County Cork? Is that in Australia? Probably. Okay. Isn't that where uh, the hats come from? They have cork hats, right? <laughs> that's right. You want to get true Portuguese cork. Are you aware of the different lobbying groups that are out there? You know, you get things like the, you know, got milk and stuff like that. The fluid milk people. You got the solid milk people. Uh, I hear, uh, I've heard ads on uh, public radio for what appears to be a Portuguese uh, cork foundation. And they want to make sure you understand that that nonsense, they're stuffing at the top of your, uh, your wine hole, is not legitimate Portuguese cork. And, and you're, just not, you're not getting anywhere near the full wine experience if you're not, if you're not enjoying Portuguese cork. So I'm all about the advertising these days. Yeah. But oh, I, yeah. Yeah, you're doing great with that. Yeah. Kind of taught of it. You seem like you're really uh, burying the needle. Trying to. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know how advertising for cork comes around. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't fully understand how that begins. And it's like, yeah, sure. We'll have the cork, the cork people. We sold, sold spots to the cork people, everyone. <laughs> we can We got the We got the cork people. Uh, we've got the Belt Association. Uh, we've got the National Society for the Appreciation of Kitty Cat Whiskers. No, I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm guessing that you guys must have gotten this too, where I, I feel like 
in my head, I'm sure there's, you know, you, go, you can see like funny old ads for like pharmaceutical, um, you know, all, all kinds of different trade groups essentially. But the one I remember, did you have um, the Aaron Neville commercial in like the mid, like I want to say like the late 80s for cotton? Did you, do you get cotton ads there? I've never seen a cotton ad. The fabric of our lives. But. That's right. I don't know if you're familiar with Aaron Neville, but basically there would be pictures of people having lives in sheets and curtains and blouses. And you'd hear, the feel, the fabric of our lives. Because that's how Aaron Neville sings. And it was on constantly. That's the first one I remember where I was like, I don't really completely understand why the concept of cotton has an ad. But it actually it makes 100% sense. Because you gotta like this is probably the same kind of thing like a trade or lobbying group, where you pay your monies into this pot, and then they they bribe a bunch of uh, uh, we we call them congressmen here. You got MPs there. Mm-hmm. You you uh, sorry you, you you peddle influence, and then you want people to understand that cotton is an option. That's a freebie. They're just gonna have to run with that. <laughs> now, do you get those there? Do you get things for like what? Uh, for tea or biscuits or something like that? You got to have a biscuit lobbying group? I, I really... Was have you of, considered biscuits? I was trying to think of how to work in a joke about the cheese board, but I, I, I bailed out on it. Um, but I was quite proud of myself for having the well, idea. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> the cheese board. That's funny. Good evening. <laughs> Hello. How are you today? <laughs> I'm very good. How are you? Oh, it's good to speak with you. So right now it's fall there, and you're moving into winter. And did you recently have a time change? Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. I I tweeted and my internet went down. (laughs) Well, welcome back. Now, see, you blew it. We could have just gone right into it. Oh, hey, buddy. How are you? (laughs) I'm very well. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Well, maybe somebody heard my cheese board joke and just cut the... Just cut the cables. Oh, you better you better find some place to put that out. That was gold. <laughs> if you want me to do Aaron Neville again, I can do that. <laughs> should we start over? Let's start. We should start, start over probably. Yeah, why not? Mm. How are you, Merlin, man? Oh, I'm great. I'm Michael. How are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Uh, I'm very busy. Uh, um, for You know, if, it's a little bit of inside baseball for the, for the listeners. Um that's the only part of the baseball I'm really interested in. Merlin jump, jumped in today to fill a late reschedule. And Merlin Mann, I don't know if people know this, but uh, me and Merlin Mann have a very special relationship uh, in that I usually, I ask him to be uninquisitive and he agrees. Um, but then he, then I have somebody I have to reschedule and Merlin steps in at the last minute. That tends to be how, how our relationship is. And I, I th- I believe I have subscribed to the Merlin as a service plan. <laughs> the mass? The mass. I'm on the mass payment plan. I like that. I should figure out a way to monetize mass. <laughs> I'm always here. You know, what time and what do I wear? I uh, I enjoy your programs. I've been uh, enjoying... Uh, I'm in- continuing to enjoy all your great shows on uh, underscore relay.fm or something. And I, uh, I, I love the shows. <laughs> I love that thing you do with the thing. All the great shows. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so many people tweet that at me now. It's become like I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure if you're aware, but all the great shows has become a meme, which is expanding. It's expanding at quite a quick rate. For anybody that it's doesn't those... know, this is from an episode of Roderick on the Line. I'll put a link in the show right. notes to that episode. 
Yeah, you can you can tell the story. It's just, it's one of those phrases where when you hear it said in John Roderick's voice, you realize it's a phrase that that you've needed for a long time. <laughs> and I mean, I think that the nut of it is it's like when you meet somebody, <clears throat> especially if you're as John says, you're showbizzing a little bit, and you're like, oh hey, great to meet you. Oh, that stuff you do with the thing is just amazing. You're what you're what you're doing. The oxygen that you personally suck out of this vertical space is mind bending. I would love to enter your vertical. And you start talking to, to somebody, and, and you go, oh, "I love your show. What show? Oh, all the great shows. <laughs> all the all the shows. I, Michael, you do so many great shows. All the great shows. <laughs> all the great shows. All the great shows. I've started but, watching Community because of that episode of Roderick Oh. Or despite that episode, I guess, depending on which person you're watching it for. Yeah. <clears throat> so Dan Harmon. Anyway, uh, eh, but uh, yeah, I've enjoyed, I still continue to enjoy your shows. I was listening to, right before I ran out the door to get my, uh, do you call it breakfast there? What do you call the first meal? You call it first meal? What do you, what do you call it in the, in the UK? Uh, the fast of which is broken. Mm-hmm. The fast of which is broken. Yes. For I, one uh, word, I by the way. Yes. <laughs> pip, pip. Yeah, I was running out the door, or as you call it, the, uh, the port away. Uh, to to go and uh, get my uh, any anyhow, and I was listening to you and uh, you and Jason Snell, and I I get the idea that things must be pretty bananas for you right now. I mean, just recording all of those shows, and am I correct that you're still at your uh, lame duck job that you're already kind of resigned from? You're still are you still there for one week and uh, two oh, days? God. Not that I'm counting. <sighs> somebody somebody walked up to my desk today, and they were like, "How you doing?" I was like, "Terrible." <laughs> <laughs> because you, I, how are you doing? <laughs> because nobody's giving me any work, so it's like I'm in prison. Like I, I arrive <laughs> right. and I stay there, uh, and then I leave. Uh, but there's never anything really for me to do. You, you can't leave, and there's nothing really of substance to no. do. But I'm, I'm finishing up some stuff, you know, but I'm not getting any new work. So I have like 25 percent of the workload, and every day it's getting smaller and smaller. But which you know, it's funny on the face of it that sounds good. But if you've ever, if one, if the listener has ever had a job where you don't have that much to do, but then not that much other stuff you could do, like it's it's it really sucks. It's so it's like being bored in school. It's like a terrible feeling. Yeah, because that is kind of what it's like. Because I'm sitting there because our computers are so locked down. Um, I'm sitting there trying to do uh, relay work from my iPhone, which which is okay. <laughs> but I'm trying to do a lot of it. So I'm just kind of sitting there and my computer's got the screensaver on and I'm just looking at my phone for like multiple hours a day. <laughs> and, I, and I arrive late and leave early. Um, and every day those times are, are changing. So it's like the first, on Monday uh, yesterday, it was like I arrived five minutes late and left like 15 minutes early today. It was half an hour on each side. <laughs> it's like, the, wow. who cares? Like, well, nobody cares. I'm declining meetings, deleting emails. It's there are parts of it that feel really great, which is that stuff. But like the days are dragging; they're just going on. Well, it's you've you've become a dangerous person in, in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah. Do you, well, like, you know, because the thing is, you don't have that much skin in the game. You don't want to be, you know, unclassy. But there are certainly you're, you're probably not gonna change the toilet paper roll as often, or you're not going to make a second pot of coffee. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna go back to your desk and play with your iPhone six plus, right? I mean. Yeah. That's now. Do you have to train your uh, your heir apparent? Is is there an heir apparent for your job that you've had to train? There is an element of that, yeah. I mean, because some of the some of the stuff that I do is like specialized in our team, and so mm-hmm. there was there's it's literally the only person that knows how to do it is me. Uh, and in a week there'll be nobody, so I have to kind of give an element of a handover 
uh, to the next person who's coming in. However, that next person doesn't start until three days after I leave. So I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm delivering it by proxy to somebody else who will then deliver it to that person. It seems like they could have planned that a little better. Yeah, yeah you'd think so, right? Um, I did kind of drop a bomb on them though, right? So it's like, oh, I'm leaving in four weeks. And four weeks, people keep asking me because they, they, they've heard me speak about it and, and such. Um, why four weeks? And, and that is pretty standard in the UK, like a one-month notice. Um, my company actually has, if they wanted to, they could have enforced an eight-week notice on me, which wow. would have been like... Or, or else, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, or else what? Uh, or else they could take me to court. Oh, I see. It's in my contract after because I've been at my company for eight years. Um, after five years, they can make you work one week for every year. Wow! If they want to, interesting. But nobody ever. Uh, otherwise, they could uh, roll you roll you down to the old Bailey. Yeah, they could pump me in front of a barrister <laughs> with a wig. <laughs> what? They still wear wigs? Yeah, but I think they're given some sort of some sort of name. Those things. Um, I'm I'm googling barrister wigs now. All I'm getting is just I'm, I'm just getting fancy dress. That costumes. sounds like a guy who fights crime. Barrister wigs in color. <laughs> um, that's really that's that's odd because your organization is so large. I wonder though, is it is it um, does it seem strange to you? Or let me put it this way: Are you kind of disappointed that they didn't see it coming? Like on the one hand, you must be glad that they're not like hanging on every podcast and knowing like what you're big plan is which any of us could have surmised in the last you know little while but uh were you were you surprised that they didn't see it coming uh well i think my my boss knew it had happened one day because she knew that i had this thing going on but there's nothing that they can really they could never have brought somebody in any quicker because they can't like be like perpetually employing in case i leave which would be hilarious they just keep offering well, jobs. Understudy, <laughs> yeah, understudy. <laughs> I like that idea. We should get. I should get one of those anyway. I should just get one of those now. <laughs> Somebody who's like always repeating everything I, would, I say. I, that would be amazing. It would be a lot of pressure though to know that there's some some ambitious person in the wings just waiting. Having an understudy would would be a lot of pressure for me because I would know in my heart that they could certainly do all of this better than I. And that that would be hanging over my head all the time. I'd probably be overcompensating. I'd be trying too hard, much like I'm doing right now. I'm interested in that. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Why do you think you're when you say you're trying too hard? What do you mean? <laughs> like, is this not is this not the real Merlin? Are we, am I am I getting like a, a hyper Merlin experience right now? Like, mm, hmm. Like we can click on links and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you'll have to find out, I suppose. <laughs> find out after no, the I jump. After the jump, that's right. <clears throat> More inside, including the link from which we scraped this entire uh, article. I don't know. I um, no, I mean, I, I'm I'm being I'm being um, you know, I'm kidding somewhat. But you know, it's uh, it, it's it is weird. Like once you move outside the world of having um a straight job, and you know, by straight job, I mean it's something where like for better or for worse, you show up. Uh, at a certain place, you're, you know, for for at least the time being, you're guaranteed a certain amount of money with the expectation that you'll do a certain kind of work, you get certain kinds of benefits. 
And, uh, you know, something I've never completely adapted to, even from doing this on my own for a pretty long time, is like how many of those things are always up in the air. But the one, the one that dogs me a lot of the time, I mean, certainly I always worry about stuff like you could be doing more with anything. But, you know, it's weird. Like if I were a, uh, if I were a plumber or a dentist or something like that, I could be a freelance dentist, I suppose. But um, if I were doing that kind of stuff, I mean, you still, you have really, you know, pretty concrete metrics about how you're doing. Like when you're mainly somebody who blathers on for a living, it's, it's sometimes difficult to know if you're doing well. And I actually, turns out, have a terrible barometer for knowing whether I'm doing it well or not. I, I, let me put it, put it this way. I mean, I sometimes think I have a knack for knowing when I'm not doing what I do well, but I, I rarely can tell if I'm actually am doing it well versus poorly. Do you know what I mean? Like I can tell it, like obviously if you walk up to bat and you swing at the ball three times and miss, you feel like that was an unsuccessful at bat. But at least if you hit the ball and it goes out of the park, you know that's a quantifiable home run. And with me, I feel like I take a lot of swings and I'm not sure if I ever hit the ball at all, including in this analogy. But do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like you, you're, you're hitting the ball, but you're immediately turning away. So you never really know if, how it's performed. People are making yeah. noise, but you don't know what they're making noise for. <laughs> you can't make out which which mouth shapes they're making at the time. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, no, this is not something that I like uh, beat myself up about, but it is it it is it is interesting to me because the things that I end up trying to improve on may not even be the things that I need to most improve on. Is is the crazy part, and that's you know that's part of the challenge of doing anything on your own is coming up with your own ideas of whether you're succeeding uh, as well as you'd like to. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does, and it actually leads me to something that I wanted to talk to you about today. But before we do that, Merlin... Tell me about something you like. I would love to. Uh, this episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by our friends at Backblaze. If you're curious about the best way to protect your data, you need look no further than Backblaze. Backblaze is an online backup solution for all of the data you have on your Mac and PC. I'm talking about music, movies, videos, photos. All files get backed up safely and securely, to Backblaze, and they are made available online via their web app or via their mobile apps. This is what's so fantastic about Backblaze. I was playing around with their mobile app yesterday just to kind of like see see how powerful it was, and I was able to basically it felt like just effectively connect to my Mac in a weird way because all of my files were there and I was able to download them in the mobile app. So I downloaded like a, a document that was on my desktop and then I could open it inside of editorial. It was just like, okay, this is really cool. <laughs> I was very surprised by it. Um, it. I knew how it worked, but still the, the impression of using it was very, very surprising to me. Um, I have a, a pretty slow internet connection, so my initial upload to Backblaze took a couple of weeks, actually. My internet is terrible. I get, like, one up, right? It's it's horrible. Wow. So this had originally put me off using something like Backblaze, but once I actually got over that and did it, it's done. And now everything's there. And now everything else that uploads, it doesn't really cause that much of a problem to me because it uploads in the background. I can choose when I want it to happen so it doesn't disrupt what I'm doing. It doesn't disrupt the shows and stuff because I have it only up uploading at times where I'm not, I know I'm not going to be recording. But now I have the knowledge that all of my files are safe and secure with Backblaze. They're just all there. Like I don't have to worry about it. I only had to go through this pain once of uploading Anybody with a relatively good internet connection, which is basically everyone compared to mine, you just do it once, it's there, you just forget about it. I was a dummy for not using Backblaze sooner than I did. Don't be a dummy like me. Sign up for a risk-free, no credit card required trial right now 
at backblaze.com slash inquisitive. That is a free trial. And then it's just $5 per month per computer for unlimited fast online backup. Thank you so much to Backblaze for supporting this show and Relay FM. I also poured um, a drink into my previous MacBook before I was using uh, before I was using Backblaze. And there are some files. The problem is there are some files that I I don't know what I've lost. <laughs> That's the worst yeah. feeling. It's not about oh no, I lost that picture. It's oh no, I know that I didn't have things in Dropbox. They weren't in Time Machine because I did that like once a month. So mm-hmm. there's stuff that I will never know I need it and it's gone until... <laughs> uh, I live in that perpetual state <clears throat> with stuff like photos and especially videos of my kids. Photos are, are all you know kind of in iPhoto or maybe over in this one Lightroom library. But <clears throat> yeah, the files that you don't even know, you don't even know, like if I lost, there's some places where if I lost a driver, I lost a folder, I wouldn't even know what was gone. It would be impossible to find. But, you know, my, one thing about Backblaze that, you know, I feel like there's two things that make a backup a backup. And, and one reason I like Backblaze, um, well, you know, there's a lot to like about it. But the first thing is it's not a backup if it's not automatic. It's not a backup if you have to do anything to make it happen. So, you know, it, remembering to periodically clone your drive is a good idea. But having that all happening for you, you're not going to realize how valuable that is until you need it. So then the second part is that you can, it's not really a backup. It's not, not a backup if it's not automated. It's not a backup if you can't go and test it like pretty often. And that ability to go in and pull down like single files out of Backblaze is completely crazy. I know that spot's over, but like, I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, I, I did this thing. Yeah, I'm backed up. Like I've, I've, I've moved this over. I've copied this to my desktop. So now I have two places I can lose it, you know, <laughs> versus having yeah. that happen automatically. So I wanted, we were talking about something. Um, Oh, about like, you know, not knowing if, if what you're doing is any good. Um, and I was interested, I was thinking today, well, what are the sorts of things I can talk to you about? And obviously you are a creator of content um, and you have Back to Work, which you've done for hundreds and, is it hundreds and hundreds or just <laughs> hundreds of episodes so far? Um, <clears throat> uh, it was in January of 2011. So and we're at 190 something right. episodes. So you are closing in fast on two, 200 episodes of a weekly show, right? That's what they tell I me. I know yeah. how hard that can be. And back to work is like, I, I nearly walked right into the joke, but it's your show. Like, it, <laughs> you know, you, you are, I assume are responsible for coming up with a lot of the content that goes into the show every week. Where does these where does the ideas for the shows come from? How do you know what to talk about? Do you know what you're going to talk about when you sit down in front of the microphone? That's a good it is it's a very good question because it's something I think about, it's something I struggle with and it, it it's a lot of going into like what I decide to do is affected by like what I think I can do over and over. It's a lesson that I've learned with stuff like having blogs in the past or different kinds of things where you got to do something on a regular basis and put it in public. Um, I mean the short answer is that I, I don't prepare too much for each episode. I try to, I don't know, I, I guess I feel like I'm really attracted to things that are a little bit like improv, uh, or at least my understanding of improv, where, you know, you, you go into it with a certain kind of, you might have ideas, you hopefully have confidence, you hopefully have a good relationship with the person you're talking to, um, and then you know that you can trust that it'll end up somewhere if you stay in the moment and listen to the other person and, you know, say what you think and, you know, keep it real, as the kids say. But uh, now I don't prepare too much. I, you know, 
again, a great example of how I don't know whether it's good or not, is there have been times when I really, I, I like to try and prepare something. I like to try and have some idea of what to say. But what I've arrived at, especially in working with Dan, is that for me, it's better to just have a very rough idea of something, maybe even just one kind of small point. And we'll find plenty to talk about, you know, in between starting and ending. And I've, l- I've learned in that instance, as with on the show I do with John Roderick, to trust that there'll be something to talk about. There's never not something to talk about. And, you know, if you try too hard to make it about a certain thing, um, you kind of end up squelching what makes it special, which is that it's, uh, you know, it's kind of unwinding itself as it goes, you know, during the show. So, I don't know. I, you know, I, I guess I have periodically worried. Like, I do a thing with Scott Simpson where we do live comedy once a month, and we try to prepare a little bit with that. But, you know, with all of these things, I always feel like anything we end up preparing or I prepare is mostly as a fallback. Like, if everything falls apart and I go into a fugue state, at least I, have no, I know something I could talk about. But generally, I feel like stuff just comes up. Now, you have outlines for your stuff, right? Yeah, I, I outline basically everything. And that... The only show that that I never outlined was was Bionic. May it rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but I feel just comfortable just having something written down, so I know that I can come to an episode, and if I'm halfway through and I'm like I'm not sure where this is going to go, I can just look at the document and I feel comfortable. I feel safe again in that. Does that make sense? So, like, I'm I'm halfway through. Mm-hmm. I know I've I know you know looking at how many sponsors I have left or how like how long we like to do an episode. I know I've got I've got another twenty minutes that I would like to make minimum. You know, um, because we like to have a good amount of content distributed to the sponsors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And plus, we like to have our episodes around a similar sort of length each week. Um, if I'm like fifteen minutes in and I'm out of stuff. That's a terrifying thing to me. And and I I hate the thought of just like rambling on and making things up. But it's not that we don't that we don't go off the outline. Practically every episode of every show goes away from the outline in some in some fashion and that's kind of where a lot of the best stuff comes up. I, I agree, especially on the show that used to be the prompt. It really feels like uh, the the last half. I really enjoy like the last half of those episodes where one of you ends up. I don't know if it's intentional, but one of you, usually one of the two other guys, kind of ends up going into you know a long riff about something. Yeah. And when Steven or uh, Federico do that, I, I and I guess you do it occasionally, but I think of it more as something they do. I really enjoy that, and I, I always learn something. I'm always surprised. I learn something about them as people, or you know, Steven with his knowledge base articles will come up with the stuff I'd never heard of or thought of, you know. And and in that instance, I don't know. Is that part of the outline? Do you know at some point you're just gonna, you know, give him a little finger salute and say, talk for a while? Uh, w- what we would kind of have is like it, we we know our topics, right? So, for example, a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about. Um, buying Macs and Federico was thinking about moving away from the Mac and it (laughs) went to a place that we weren't expecting which was we suggested he buy a Mac Mini and we spoke about why that would be a good option for him that wasn't in the document but what was in the document was uh, talk to let's talk to Federico about him not wanting to use a Mac anymore so it's like it's not we we don't have like we're not scripting it and stuff but we have we have points and then what will typically happen is someone will start on that point and will then just go for 10 minutes so it's just more on the along the idea of we we just have an idea of these are the types of things we want to cover and like we've had topics over the last two episodes that we keep bumping forward and we're still not getting to them and that to us shows that we're making good stuff because it means that we are flying way off the outline which and that's typically where the best stuff comes out but it's having that uh like the safety net or the parachute or whatever 
you know, whether you want to come from up or down, it's up to you. Um, we <laughs> like to just have that there. So in case the wheels fall off in a bad way, we've got something. And and that's, that's that, I like that. I just like that feeling. I mean, it, it puts more work into creating the show because you're doing not all the, not only the, the actual show itself and the stuff afterwards, you're also doing the work before. That's so interesting because now it's really got me thinking a million things now. Uh, it, that sounds a lot like what I've done in other places. I, you know, generally, like, I guess my, my only bitch about outlines is there are shows and even shows that I enjoy where it's clear that the hosts are anxious about sticking to the outline. Sometimes one or more hosts or somebody else, but it's clear that there becomes this concern about either the length of the program and how they can edit it down to be the length that they want and or hewing to the outline. And <clears throat> I, I think those are both good things for a reason I'll talk about in a second, but I find it a little distracting if it seems like they have this, uh, silent partner in the podcast, which is this, you know, kind of school marm scraping their finger at them about making sure that they stay on topic. Because as I've said before, I've said it on this show, I mean, like, I I, uh, I really believe in the uh, power of the voice. Like, you're there because you want to hear what people have to say. You're not there to watch somebody hew to the roadmap. You're there because you want to hear what they say. And I don't know. I... Does that make sense? No. Like sometimes I feel like, and there are some kinds of shows where that benefits. You know, if, if you're doing more like a classic radio show and you're somewhere not quite at a, maybe, maybe it's scripted, but you know, you have to hew to all kinds of uh, specific times in and out and outlines and you've got to talk about this person's book and so forth. But I don't know. I, um, does, that, does that make sense? Like sometimes I feel like I feel, I feel like I'm seeing too much of the scaffolding sometimes. The, the, then they're worried about, you know, staying on the scaffolding instead of just, you know, kind of flying around. Yeah, no, we, uh, uh, well, I don't, we don't care about that as much. Like, the outline is not the Bible. Like, it, it's just there to help. In, in, in the same as like our time limits, our time limits are set by us. If we want to, if we want this episode to be three hours, which we've done, we will have it be three hours if we think there's a good reason for that. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like, I don't ever really like to either force the conversation in a certain route um, or edit the show in such a way that it changes the conversation. Because I, I believe that conversations are like threads. Um, and even if you pull out something, like, for example, I'm going to leave in all of the cheese board stuff and the, the cotton stuff because that that's that started this conversation today <laughs> and i feel like this conversation wouldn't be where it is right now without that bit at the start like and and they they're, they're kind of unrelated but there's no way you can say that but that's how i that is the <laughs> well, i'm going to uh, oh man but it, it's cuz that i just feel like you you a conversation weaves its way um, yes. And if you start ch chopping parts of it out, it might not be necessarily apparent to somebody listening to it, but they're going to lose something. Something is lost. I just believe something is lost in it. And, and it's just not the kind of thing that I like to create. Like, you know, you know that we're artists, right? That That's mm -hmm. what we are. We're creating artisanal podcasts right here. And mm. nobody should take that stuff away from us. Farm to table. <laughs> I think so. I know. I I I think about that just with Roderick, where you know, my there are episodes where there's something we decided to cut out just on the basis of something like, oh, John slipped and mentioned the name of somebody who he doesn't like to talk about their name publicly, yep. and so I'll on like maybe three occasions I'll enter in like a little like sound effect, or there'll be something like where I've got to take a leak and we. Um, 
gratefully, I think, cut that section out. But generally, the more common thing is like, you know, the show just wasn't good, or it was, it was, it was, it was too nuanced in its helpfulness, uh, let's say, and so we just wouldn't put it out. But I feel the same way. I mean, I feel dishonest having to cut out like one little, not dishonest, but I, it's hard for me. I like, I, I, so I, I think of that show as whatever we said. And you either put it out or you don't. And so I feel weird even going in and snipping out a little bit or having to say, okay, let's start that part over. Which we like, we did that on you one time ever on You Look Nice Today. I don't think anybody would ever be able to know where it was. But there's only one time ever where we restarted something because there was a, like a technical problem or something. Which feels like, it's, it almost feels like I'm asking my wife for a second take on something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can we just get married again? <laughs> I wasn't happy with the cake. I would not. No, I'm not going to put that out there because I know, I don't think she'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> here's the, here's the other thing. I don't know why. Now this is this is very far afield, and I uh, hope this fits the outline. But I'm thinking of two things now that are kind of related to like a bunch of this stuff. One is like the way that I think about presentations, and I think that you know when you start doing more presentations, uh, you know, and I haven't done enough presentations to like present myself as a pro. Um, but you know, for for example, like a tip that I would give to anybody doing presentations is something that's helped me a lot, which is. Uh, you know, first of all, however you end up getting to the point where you've got slides. I mean, I guess, you know, tip zero is don't obsess about your slides. Figure out something awesome to say and then make pictures of it. But with that said, once you've got your 20, 30 slides or whatever, there's something I do that has helped me so much, which is in the notes field. And I really rely on the notes field. You know, I try not to have to read off my slides. But the thing that helped me so much, and it's so dumb, but so helpful, is that in the notes field, in giant, giant letters, at the top, of the of the field, the little text area will be like kind of like the 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 first thing that I need to be saying roughly, or maybe the three bullets of what I need to say. But the most important part of this notes is the last line, which has the first words that I want to come out of my mouth as I'm hitting the remote button. Do you, do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So instead of starting on the next slide, I kind of I have I can see that in the preview on the presenter's. Uh, monitor. But I try to always have something there that's close enough to the exact three or four words that will be coming out of my mouth as I hit the button. And because then that a kind of magical thing happens. It's it's like somebody saying, you know, jump over this ditch. Like here's my arm. Like you can trust that you're going to make it over this this leap. However big that is, I if I do that leap over and over and over, I get more confident about it. And you know, because a lot of times people who are getting started with presentations in this instance, which are if you think about it, are not so different from people working off an outline for a podcast, is that there's this section, <clears throat> and then there's this section, <clears throat> third, or as Casey would say, thirdly. Uh, you get, you get what I'm saying? Like, and there is not a sense of continuity that you're kind of like, you're, you're going, you know, up and down on these waves from idea to idea and from image to image. So that's funny because that, that makes me think like, you know, if I had to do a presentation like that, I would feel stagey uh, about having that jerkiness to it. And that, just that little dumb tip, it's kind of what they in radio, I guess, used to call traffic. Like, how do you fill all of these minutes? What goes from here to there? My dad used to work in traffic, um, not automobile traffic, but radio traffic. As in like, we have the, uh, you know, the, the station identification, we got the ad, we got the weather, you know, and all that has to fit together. And knowing what the exact next thing is, you can riff and jive and do whatever and know that no matter how far I get off the script, I, all I have to do while I'm sitting there and struggling with what to say next, look down, see the next thing that comes out of my mouth and hit the button. Do you know what I mean? And, and to me, it's not directly analogous, but that's kind of like how a podcast works, is to know, like, are there three main acts to this? We know there's three sponsors, there's something, whatever. But knowing whatever your constraints are as a podcaster or a team of podcasters, knowing what those constraints are, uh, you, you know, certainly having an idea of what you're going to talk about helps. But I think there's all kinds of natural structure that comes out of doing a show that you get by just doing it a lot. 
You know what I mean? No, I But do. you've always got a fallback. You've got a fallback. You can always go, if this goes totally tits up, we'll go to a sponsor at this point. Because <laughs> they love that. But you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does make sense. This episode is brought to you by Igloo. <laughs> That's the internet you're going to really like. Let me tell you a little bit about Igloo. Some of you out there may have used a horrible thing called SharePoint. Or maybe you have an internet that feels like it was built in the 90s. Well, if you have either of these, or you've used any kind of internet in any company, and this is Igloo, you're going to know that they could be dull and unengaging. Not only are they going to feel like they're, you're having to drag them through the days and drag them into the now, I can bet there's no human feeling in there either. Igloo knows that this stuff is a problem for people. So what they do is they've created a, a solution that helps connect people in meaningful ways, and it helps make your office or your workplace a more fun place to be. And that really helps to extend the type of company that you're trying to create or the culture that you're trying to be a part of as you're getting through your your day-to-day. The starting point for creating something that's fun for people to use every day is design. And this is more than just throwing the company logo on the top left corner or just changing some colors. Your intranet should reflect your company. And and this is also in like just the, the things that you put in it. So if you work in a place where everybody likes to keep in touch with each other and everybody is you know, quite friendly, then you want to have things like microblogs and forums and just places where people can communicate with each other and have like their own little communities even inside of the company. Like the IT guys like to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, so they should be able to do that away from the marketing guys that will just throw paper at them all day. right? You want to be able to allow people to do that kind of thing. And this is what Igloo allows you to do. It's built with apps. It gives you the flexibility to change the structure and presentation of your internet. You can be content driven in this part, or you can have activity feeds in this part and conversations in this part. This is where the community of your office helps add to your intranet and it's not just like laid upon them and they're told to just go and use it everything inside igloo is customizable and you have the ability to add html css and javascript globally or in just in certain points or team spaces even on single pages and you can see this because the igloo website itself is actually built on igloo that is a little known fact but it's an awesome one the actual igloo software.com is built on top of igloo's platform Anyone with the appropriate permissions can publish content to their WYSIWYG editor, and you can even build your own apps within their custom widget builder. This is just some of the incredible stuff. I just want to talk about the customization today because that's something that I find so fascinating. You should go and try all this out for yourself. Igloo is free to use of up to 10 people. You can sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash inquisitive. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show. There's just one more quick thing I want to mention. Uh, and we were talking about advertisers a bit in this, and I was, I'm talking about how we try and think about these sorts of things. Well, we want to make sure that we're bringing the right advertisers to you and finding things that you're interested in. So we're running a quick survey. It takes no more than five minutes. You may have heard me talk about this on other shows. If you fill out a survey for one of our other shows this week, if you go to podsurvey.com slash inquisitive, your results from the previous survey will just be carried over. So you just press submit again which is kind of cool, right? So I believe that's done with mm-hmm. cookies, Merlin, which I think in the European Union people get very upset call about. Them. Call them biscuits. biscuits. Yeah, biscuits where I come from. Web biscuits. Web biscuits. <laughs> this helps us uh, provide advertisers, which helps us continue to create this stuff. Um, and if you do fill out this survey, you will be entered into a monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We won't share your information with anyone. Uh, we'll just send you an email if you win. Thank you so much if you have filled one of these out already. And I would love you to go to podsurvey.com slash inquisitive and please fill out that survey. This is what happens when you're trying to run a business. You have to start doing mm. things like this. I want to make. I, I don't want to give people the the Portuguese cork ads. 
you know? I want them to mm-hmm. have ads for companies. You want to bring enjoy. them uh, peanut butter, peanut butter nom noms. Exactly. If that's what they want, then they can have it or bonbons or something. Yeah. So biscuits, as you say. So I want to talk about all the good shows. Um, all the great shows. So, do you ever feel like sometimes you create an episode of Roderick on the Line or Back to Work or anything? Maybe just an interview you've done, like this one, and you you finish it. You 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 export the episode or you press stop on Skype. Apparently, Skype has a stop button now. Yep, um, I see it right. <laughs> Skype. Yeah, and it's reminding me that it's someone's birthday. As it does. It's so nice that it Isn't does that. Isn't that handy? I love that it does that. <laughs> do you ever feel That's that... right. Really where I want to find out about that stuff. <laughs> do I ever feel... So many people put fake birthdays in as well, which is so embarrassing when you wish them happy birthday. Um, do you ever feel that some episodes are just terrible, but then you put them out to the world and people love them? Do you ever have that? Uh, kind of, but not really. I mean, it's a running joke on Back to Work, but you know, we're all say that was a terrible episode. But what I what I usually mean is, uh, well, in the case of Back to Work, I'll frequently, f- I will not frequently, but yeah, pretty often, I'll feel like, wow, that's if that. I hope this isn't the first episode of the show someone ever listens to because the first roughly half of it is full of uh, esoteric inside jokes and comic book suggestions, and then the last half, uh, I just dither. And and when that happens, the, the the guess the part that I've had to accept is that sometimes that dithering can be good and people like it. And I ended up saying something useful. And but when I when I first stop and think about it, I go, oh God, like what was that? You know, mm-hmm. it is it isn't like going out and like I sang Stairway to Heaven better than I've ever sung it tonight. It's like I went and I went for forty minutes, and then I I, it's, I feel kind of like self-effacing because I think it might have sucked. I don't. I, I rarely feel that it's actually terrible. I think a terrible episode would be like arguing with somebody on air or something like that. At least in my case, like I would never want to have like a like disagreements with people. It sucks when you have like really serious technical problems. It just happens sometimes for no reason. You cannot get Skype to work, and it's very difficult to salvage the episode. You've lost all of the momentum. Those kinds of episodes that I would think would have to be terrible, I would just not put out. But to be honest, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I've done that much stuff that's like like. A, extremely bad at least by my standards what about like controversial things so oh yeah the reason this is on my mind at the moment and and we'll talk mm-hmm. about this again on analog we just did an episode of analog last week my show with the lovely casey Liss, um and we spoke about email um and part of the discussion was how i i love to receive emails from listeners but it's also like really difficult if i sit on them for like months to then reply to them because it's like well and and the the episode title is that thank you has expired and that's kind of what I was talking about like at a certain point just replying thank you there's no point anymore it's it's been like two months and all I have to say is thank you for sending me this and then it kind of feels like well now it's been so long why would I do that and I was kind of when I was talking about it like I was there were people in the chat room that were saying like oh I was going to email you but now I won't and it's like that's not what I'm saying and then I'm really worried that people are going to listen to the episode and they're going to be like that Mike guy is a jerk but then I end up with get, we've got lots of feedback this week where people are like saying that was a fantastic episode and it's like okay I have no idea really they emailed you to they emailed you to say to so. get a couple of those uh they, they get a few but you get what I'm saying right they emailed you yeah they did to say yeah, yeah. that your episode about how it's hard to deal with emails <laughs> most of the people that did that they put a little smiley face at the end they understood what they sure. were doing but you know we have got actual like real big emails about it um but you know people like tweeted and, and etc cetera, etc cetera. they engaged with me via social platforms to tell me that they enjoyed the episode which obviously I love I love that that's great but it's mm-hmm. like you're like okay 
I'm not 100% sure what people enjoy. Like, I will continue to make the things I'm happy with because I can't work out what people want. And, and maybe I just keep doing that. But do you ever get those sort of things where you're like, okay, I did not think people would connect with that in any way, but they appear to have done? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, perhaps, strangely enough, uh, it's most often on very <clears throat> non-controversial stuff. Like, I'm back to work, uh, and maybe it's because it's it's often unemotional things that make people most likely to feel like they can reach out to us. But, you know, sometimes we'll mention something like, oh, for example, like Dan mentioned a few weeks ago, he didn't understand why his neighbors had a red light in their house. I was perplexed why he was even worried about it, but he was speculating. And we got so many emails from people to say, oh, it's probably a reptile. And that's like a heat lamp for the reptile. But, you know, so sometimes our biggest <laughs> feedback will be where people will be like, ooh, 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 me, I've got the answer. And, and that's awesome. As far as the controversial stuff, I mean, I have really uh, complicated feelings about, about things, especially as I get older and think more about you know, how we should treat each other. And I have, I have really complicated feelings about what I do and don't decide to talk about. And it's probably as good a time as any, you know, these days to have to figure this stuff out for ourselves. But I don't know, like on Roderick on the line, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult because, you know, I'll tell you a secret. I don't always agree with everything John says, not by a long shot. <laughs> um, I, John and I are on the same page about a lot of stuff, but he, it's, you know, in that instance, like I think it's it's I want to get out of the way and let him say what it is that he wants to say, and no, I don't feel like most of the time I want to um, be nuanced about exactly how I feel differently about it. That's not the point of the show, but sometimes that is really complicated because I hear what he's saying, I hear how it's coming out, and I'm in a really weird position because I'm his friend. I'm a pretty good friend of his. I know. Boy, forgive me, because when he hears this, he's going to be furious. I know what he thinks that sounds like, and I know what he meant to say, and I get it, and I kind of agree with him. The problem is, what came out and what somebody's going to hear is not nearly as nuanced as he thinks it is, and it sounds kind of bad, and it sounds kind of hurtful, and it sounds kind of... It's, it's not going to have... The in, it's not going to come across in the intended way. It could be very easily misunderstood. And forgive me for saying it, but it could really offend people, sometimes for good reasons, often for not. But, but those are the ones where I feel I have real complicated feelings. I feel like I'm not his mom. I'm there to put out the show. But at the same time, I also am developing more, what, sensitivity for how stuff does sound. You know, it's like they say, used to, back, back in the days when, in the Clinton administration, like, it's not just the impropriety, it's the appearance of impropriety, you know? And so if you seem really seedy as the president, like, it's kind of as bad as being really seedy. And I don't want to, I don't want to do things that could be misunderstood or that would even on the face of it just hurt, harm somebody, hurt them, make them feel bad about who they are. Uh, even if it is mostly in a funny way we're doing it. So as you can see, I'm still ca hashing this out of my brain because I'm hashing it out of my life too. I'm trying to become a better person about figuring out what dumb stuff I can do differently that's not that hard to do differently that would have a better rather than worse effect on other people's lives, even if it's just with words. So that's where I struggle with it. And then the, the final very short part is I just don't, I don't like arguing with people and I kind of refuse to argue with people. I think it's really unseemly. It's to my detriment a lot of times because I could win that argument if I wanted to. I just don't like doing it. I don't like watching people argue. I don't like hearing people argue. And I don't like being expected to defend what I do or don't do in a public space. It's just unseemly to me. That's so, that's, that's what gets me to a complicated place is, you know, I think they're, I'm sorry, I'm prattling on, but did, 
does that does that make sense? Like no, I does. do kind of catch myself sometimes saying, like, I you know, I don't want to get into this. Yeah. There's no, there's no, it's a phrase I learned from my brother-in-law. When when we found out we were gonna have a kid, he said, you know, you got it with with <laughs> when you got a kid, you gotta understand there's a whole bunch of stuff that could go either way. There's a whole bunch of stuff where it'll probably go okay. And just remember there's always stuff where it can't end well. And I try to avoid the things where it can't end well, where we both just end up covered with pig poop and like sitting there and feeling bad about like the show that we just put on with each other. So it, uh, I worry about that it. That role's interesting. And I've, I've heard you take that stance a couple of times in what is actually one of my favorite episodes because it is so raw. It's the episode, um, I think, before all, all the great shows where John was talking about the fight that he had. Right. And you were like, ah, this is like legally stop. I, that's how I could feel you were you were being in that episode. Yeah, that's one I could see how you would catch that one, and you're you absolutely caught that one. It's like, yeah, you sure please, you want to like, be talking about please this? Please stop now. Like, I think there was one moment. <laughs> you obviously feel very bad about this, but you're also obviously kind of a little proud about it. Because <laughs> there was a bit where it's like, you know, and I looked out and there was blood all over the floor, and you're like, ah, oh, John, yeah. please now. <laughs> You're like, is this okay? Are you okay? And but yeah, yeah, exactly. So, in that regard, what is your role in Roderick on the line? Like, what what are you uh, doing? Every, I'm, I'm everything. I'm everything but John. Right. And he's the most important part of the show, but I'm everything else. Um, no, <clears throat> that's a good question. I mean, you know, um, I, I've I've John. I've always thought John's one of the most interesting people to interview because you don't even need an interviewer. All you have to do is let him know that people are listening, and he'll say interesting things for a very long time. And you know, I like I he just did a fourth episode with Brett Terpstra yeah, talking about that. his music career. <laughs> and I think I think over those four episodes, you know, Brett had maybe a net total of maybe forty words in the entire thing. But it was it was very interesting and very illuminating and very like wow, I didn't expect John to say that. It it the where it ends is super interesting. I thought, but um, as far as specifically with Roderick on the line, well, you know, it was my idea to do the show before he knew what a podcast was, and the sort of like you know before he was, yeah, I mean, like John's a real maven of the internet these days. But there was a time when he was much more reluctant about how much of himself he wanted to put out there and in what way. No, but as far as like the data or week to week show, like, I don't know. I think I'm the audience. I think I'm the person who is listening to John's story and going, I can't believe you just said that. Or you've got to be kidding me. There's no way that happened or whatever. Like I, I, when I go back and re-listen to the show and I hear myself laughing like an idiot, I realize that I'm probably, I'm the laugh track and I'm the audience in some ways. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, no, I get it because I can imagine that there. Are... People will say, people will say, like, and then and then you said exactly what I would have said to John, which is, I can't believe you did that. Because <laughs> I think the show has changed over time, Roderick on the oh, line. Because yeah. I think when 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 it started, it was very much more a conversation, and it, and it has kind of morphed into John tell me a story. Which, I mean, I love, just love Roderick on the line. Uh, it makes me sad when people say they don't listen to it because it's one of those shows where it's like you should just listen to it but the problem is you need to now start at number one uh, or you know I think you have a great starter pack is is that still updated your kind of I don't know <clears throat> I think I, I think it's out there somewhere but I mean it used to be maybe because of my uh the side effects of my ADD medicine, I realized I used to be much more spazzy on that show and much, it was more surreal, like more like me talking to Dan being crazy sometimes. 
And uh, and John had braces for a while, so he talks kind of weird. He sounds kind of weird at, at, at some of the early episodes. I think sometime around the, when we first started bringing in the bell and it got sillier and I became less reluctant about laughing and less I, – I, I used to feel more that my role was to be the Boswell to his Johnson, if you'll pardon my saying, that I was kind of there to like be the public record keeper of John's stories and hence the, the business with, you know, exaggerating the index cards and all that stuff. But no, but over time, it has much become much more just like a conversation, I think. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think so. I, I think the show has changed. I think you have become, as you said, kind of more of a, a just straight. I've become more of myself on the show. Do you think so? I you think. maybe were playing a, a little bit more of the character that you've, you've pulled Of back myself, on. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> Mer- Merlin as a service, yeah. Yes. The Merlin, yeah. It's, it's, it's simple to, you know, you just got to get on the right subscription plan. Because it's, it's like, clap. I know that Super Train came back, but it's been gone for a while. Uh, and it, so it felt like, you know, all of that stuff is like hilarious. It's my favorite stuff, but there's a lot more like character stuff in there, but it has been kind of a bit more real uh, recently, I think. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, there's also a reluctance on my part I try to have some sensitivity about not having it not turn into a Lauren Michaels thing where you're going to come in and see, see Debbie Downer every week or, you know, or something like that. These are Saturday Night Live characters. I, I don't want it to become something where it's all just bits, where it becomes like a morning zoo. And so, like, Super Train is extremely funny, but I don't want it to be something where we have to mention Super Train every episode. Um, but, you know, John's, again, it's trust. And I, I, for the longest time, I would always just say to him, you know, I, I never, I never worry that we'll have something to talk about because you always come up with another completely ridiculous story that sounds totally implausible. Another thing that proves you should probably be dead if, if, if there were any sense in the world. There's no reason for you to still be alive. How did that happen? How, how, why did you camp in a dump? You know, and so there's always more of the stories. There's always more to talk about. And then, you know, yeah, I guess maybe increasingly, I don't know how, I'm not sure how you would put it, but I, I, I get that there's a difference. When I go back and listen to an old episode, which I, I don't do a lot, but I, it definitely feels very different. And how do you feel about that? Like you, I'm okay with it. You, you're yeah. happy with like the arc that it's taken. I mean, it feels like there's no stopping it. Right. Because, and that's partly because it is just the two of you talking. So it's like, it will continue for as long as you want to do it, I guess. Yeah, what I mean, I think it's probably a little bit like uh, gra- like uh, um, sequential art or animation, where like if you you know if you take these two cells, you know these two animation cells, and look at them you know next to each other without any tweening, it seems like a really big difference. But if you've watched every bit of the animation in between, it makes total sense and it's smooth in its own way. So if people have listened for a lot of those episodes, I mean, yeah, I, I noticed it with our show. I, you know, I've become my favorite podcast now. Uh, uh, just hands down is the flop house. And, and I listen to that a lot. I go back and I, but I jump around and I listen to episodes from different times, different eras of the show. And it's, it's funny how, how much the same it is, but also how very different it is. And it, it can be sort of jarring, but I, I like all of them for in different ways. So like, you know, a lot of people have mentioned like our very special episode <laughs> where John talked about uh, depression. The one, the first one where he really talked about depression, that uh, a Welsh troll it's called. I, I still think is like completely amazing. I, I wouldn't want to have that show every week. I wouldn't want to have any given show every week. I like that it's different. And I like that, you know, some people really liked episode before last because they said it sounded a lot like a You Look Nice Today episode. That always makes me feel good. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it changing, you know. Um, people keep seem to keep listening, you know. 
again, it's hard to know like how you're doing. It's hard to know back to the, where we started. It's hard to know whether people like it, whether they wanted to change, but like, you know, if you like who you're doing it with and you, you end the episode going, wow, that wasn't too bad. Like you're doing great. You're doing better than most people. If you find yourself like second guessing at every step of the way and coming up with lists of topics to talk about and ideas for like introducing babies and uh, weddings to the show, like that's when it's falling apart, going off the rails. If, if, if you're mostly still enjoying it, I think you're in good shape. Do you have, download numbers do you look at them oh yes do you look at them religiously no i can't bear it because the show is about one fourth as popular as i think it should be right at all times it's it's astonishing how much more how many more people should be listening to roderick on the line in my head like you know i'm, I'm surprised i'm really surprised how many people listen to back to work i mean I think it's a good show but like there's way more people listening to that show i mean when i found out how many people were listening to mac break weekly like i fell off my chair mm -hmm. I was like, that, that's ridiculous. How, uh, every week, people that many people listen? And I think that's probably, that's probably the most popular thing I've ever been on. And, uh, except this show, right? Except for yeah, this show. For this and show. everything on underscore uh, relay uh, backslash <laughs> uh, escaped common. Calm. Turns out claiming Twitter handles is hard. Turns oh, out. that's hard stuff. Yeah, no, out. no, no, I'm with you. Um, yeah, but, uh, but uh, no, no, I, no, I don't, you know, I don't look at the only ego surfing I do anywhere near religiously is stuff like Fav star and Twitter. Like if I get in a certain state of mind, uh, I'll go and look at that. But no, I, I just, the things like looking at web pages, it's just, it's, it's doesn't appeal to me like it used to. And you know, and, and if the numbers tripled with Roderick on the line, I'd probably start watching a lot more carefully, but you know, we get about the same amount every week, which seems weird to me. I mean, I, I'm not usually that full of myself to say something like that, except that I think that show is, and I'm not even saying go listen to the show, I, you know, whatever, except that like, it does kind of surprise me that, that it's not more popular. I know it's not for everybody, but, uh, and I wouldn't want anybody listening to it that's not thoroughly enjoying it, but that just flatly, it does kind of surprise me. Sometimes there's no good in looking at the numbers, like either way, if they're good or bad, like if they're bad, then you feel sad. And if they're good, you feel pressure. And, and it's like... Sometimes it's just best not to know. I, I, there are times where I wish that I didn't look. I mean, I look because it's kind of a business that I'm running, you know? Well, it is a business that I'm running. So it's, it kind of helps for me to know. I try and never do anything like, well, that episode had 20,000, but this had 17. So what did we do different? Like, I don't sit and do that. I just look at the numbers and nod to myself like, mm, okay, that's the numbers this week. So I can update the, the things. So there's exactly two things you can get out of podcast stats, and neither of them makes me happy. One of them is looking at PodTrack. If you're dealing with an advertiser who is, you know, dogged about wanting to know your download numbers, you can give me your PodTrack numbers. Well, there you go. Now you can decide whether I'm good. Um, I don't like having to do that, but that's a fact of life when you do this stuff. If you're going to sell to that kind of a customer, which I'm fortunate enough to not have to do most of the time, uh, because the ones that don't become advertisers are the ones who are very into those numbers. But the other one is like the other useful thing, I think. So that's a useful thing. I don't love it, but it's useful. The other useful thing is trend lines. I think trend lines in anything are interesting. Um, you know, if you don't want to be a crazy person and you want to be healthy, look at trend lines. Don't look at how many, you know, just weigh yourself and don't look at the numbers, but watch the trend lines. If the trend line's moving down, you're doing well. But like, don't ever look at any one measurement and think it means freaking anything. Because there's there's really nothing that useful that you can get out of it. Like, what, as you say, like, what would you change? Oh, that episode had 20% fewer people. What are you going to do now? You're going to try to figure, oh, was that a holiday weekend? Was that a bank holiday? Did uh, Was that when like uh, an Apple event happened? And you now officially sound insane if you're trying to figure out why that number means people do or don't like your show more. You know, so many of those things, like you just listed like three things that you actually can't control. 
Like if it's Christmas, a bank holiday or an Apple event, I mean, great. What you can't make those happen every week. So what are you going to do with that? <laughs> like, right, right. So what, do you wish in retrospect you'd done a less good show? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And then suddenly, you know, we had an episode recently that's like triple the number of downloads we usually get. And I don't know why. Yep. And I, I'm not going to bother to find out because I'm not sure what I would learn as a result of because that. Because sometimes that it, would... it literally could be Marco Arment releases Overcast and then everybody downloads their episodes again. Oh, uh, oh, that's good. You know, or and thought of that people buy new iPhones. So. so we should start. We should start our own trade group to try and get podcast people to introduce more bugs mm-hmm. that would get our episodes downloaded more. Or just again, we should influence Apple to release new iPhones so people buy new iPhones, and then they have to re-download their podcasts again. The glitch, the bugs. The downloads of Half-Life. I wonder where that was going, and now I remember. Now you know. Merlin Man. bringing it home. I would like to yes. talk to you about our final sponsor for this week, and that is Campaign Monitor. I'd like to be remembered for what? I didn't even ask you, because we saw it. So- oh, that's the first thing I'm asking you as soon as we get off the back of this fantastic sponsor that is Campaign Monitor. They are the people that make it easy to design, create, send, and optimize your email campaigns quickly and easily. Campaign Monitor features Canvas, which is an easy-to-use builder for creating beautiful email newsletters that look great everywhere, even on mobile devices. Thousands of Campaign Monitor customers are using Canvas to totally reinvent what they send out. And you can create an email template that matches your own brands for free at campaignmonitor.com templates. With Canvas, you're able to create emails in just minutes. It's super easy to use with drag and drop tools that take care of all of the stuff that you expect to just work, like automatic image resizing, finding the perfect typography, and using their innovative spacer tool to make sure that everything's laid out just nice. Canvas automatically makes sure your emails look great everywhere with the use of responsive design techniques. You want them, they do them. You can create unique emails that match anything that you're trying to create that maybe look like your website or look like the color of your eyes. These aren't cookie cutter templates. Canvas features flexible and customizable designs so you can make unique emails that match your content. You're able to choose your own fonts and colors. You can do all of this stuff super easy and just make the templates your own. This is something that I find really cool about Campaign Monitor is that they actually make it possible for you to build and export templates using Canvas without ever signing up for a Campaign Monitor account. You can just go there, play around with the tools and just steal it if you want to, by going to campaignmonitor.com slash templates, although you should sign up for an account because they're totally free. That's campaignmonitor.com to sign up for an account, and you can check out all the great services that they have, but it's totally free to sign up, and you should. Thank you so much to Campaign Monitor for supporting this show and Relay FM. Merlin Man, what do you like to be known for? <laughs> I like to be known for being on your program, Mike. Thanks for having <laughs> I, um, <clears throat> I like to be remembered for... Um, for I guess mostly for uh, doing podcasts, I used to have a website people liked, uh, but I, I guess I like to be remembered for making people happy on the internet or frustrated. I'll take either one. If that's the beauty of Merlin as a service, it's a turnkey service, and it's based in the cloud, and it's coming into your house whether you like it or not. Literally. Do you ever miss the productivity stuff? Like, and when you think about it, when it wasn't crazy and it wasn't something yeah. that everyone was doing, and it was actually useful and people enjoyed it, and it wasn't life hacks and it wasn't like, you know, 25 ways to supercharge your brand strategy. <laughs> Do you ever miss like the good times? Oh, elements of it for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even like, for example, on um, the latest episode of Back to Work, which I think is 193, 
I talked a lot about uh, how I use a couple of text editors on iOS. And it was fun. And I honestly think I can say with confidence, hopefully not sound full of myself, there's going to be people who hear that and go, wow, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could type something in drafts and send it to Fantastical and have it turn into an event. That's pretty neat. So, I mean, I still love stuff like that. It's just, you know, getting bogged down in the whole workflow thing. I mean, it's such a circle jerk um, when, you know, and then, you know, not to go into my whole dark night of the soul about this, but it just, I eventually realized that most people were probably not doing that much great stuff with it. If they kept coming back that often, you know, how much great stuff were they making? And, um, no, I miss some of it. I miss some of it partly because it's very easy to understand. Tips and tricks are very easy to understand. It's, it's easy to understand making them. It's easy to understand editing and vending them. And it's easy to understand how to make more of them that, will, that people will like. It's, so that, there's something that was much more sensible about that kind of quote-unquote work. So I miss that element of it. And I, and I love, you know, I do love hearing from people that there's something I came up with 10 years ago that they still like and use. It's been over 10 years now since 43 folders started, believe it or not. But, you know, but it's even more gratifying, honestly, to hear from people who say like, wow, that dumb thing you said about like, you know, <laughs> trying to be a better person on back to work really helped me. So I still get it. I still get that. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. No, you did. I mean, you did a thing that became a big thing, right? You know, you you created a t you coined a term that is that I actually hear in my uh, workplace by people that so if I said weird. your name, they would not know it. I heard it on a public radio show twice last week on Marketplace. I heard it two days in a row. It's really weird. Dude, when, it's very weird to hear it out in the wild. When you hear it, does yeah. it feel like yours anymore? No, God, so no. So you hear no, it no, and no, you're no. like, no, you have absolutely no idea. Like, No, as far as I'm concerned, they can have it. Um, you know, it's it's so uh, unintentionally and willfully misunderstood that I, I don't, I don't want to disavow ownership of it. I'm proud of the how it helped a lot of people, including me. I'm very proud of that. Um, but, like, I don't have the time or the inclination to police that stuff and sit there and go, like, uh, you know, when you put that, when <laughs> there's been, like, five different iOS apps that use the phrase Inbox Zero in some form or fashion. And I, honestly, it's I just it's more like I don't even have the energy to roll my eyes about it because it's, it's become one of those things, like, was, it you, was that you? No, somebody the other day was saying it's become, like, the Kleenex of productivity. You know, there was a time when Cornflake you know, not even Frosted Flakes, but Corn Flake was like a trademark of, uh, I think, Kellogg's. You know, in Kleenex. You know, I remember when I was an aspiring writer, I would buy Writer's Digest magazine. And the back pages of Writer's Digest magazine were filled with these hilarious display ads about, unless you're talking about the greatest formal refrigeration ever made, make sure it's really a Frigidaire. Please don't say Frigidaire if you really mean refrigerator. And stuff about Kleenex. All these companies were, would have these ads in there imploring young writers to please stop using the name of their prop copyrighted product in the generic. Mm. I don't know how well that works. I mean, I guess you can patrol that stuff from an IP standpoint, but it's, it does seem weird. It does seem not mine. And, you know, there is still a tiny part of me that, I'll, I'll put it this way. There's a tiny part of me where my feelings get hurt when somebody who should know better is deliberately using it as uh, a punchline. I don't mind Inbox Zero being a punchline writ large. I would just be grateful if you understood a little more about what I intended it to mean rather than just trying to make me look like some kind of lame dumbass who thinks you should look at email all day because that's not actually what I said. Yeah, or <laughs> so that it, bums me out. It's Friday, it's 4.55, I have no emails in my inbox, inbox zero, ding. Like, it's not right. what it is. I mean, that's certainly, that's like, if you think about the way a, de you know, a dictionary works, that could be the number five definition 
of inbox zero. But I would love the number one, not like I even have any influence anymore, but I, I kind of wish the number one meaning were something along the lines of, you know, that zero being how much of your mind is in your inbox when you don't want it to be. Like being okay with the chaos that waits for you somewhere while you do other things. And that kind of harrowing vision of stuff you have no control over is very much not what people think of as inbox zero. To have it be about like courage and tolerance um, rather than about slavishly becoming, you know, becoming a slave to email like 24-7. That's, that was the whole reason I was trying to say don't do that. But, you know, it's always described by people in places like public radio as being a way to never have email in your inbox, consequently zero. And it's like, no, that's it just means if you can find time, you know what? Now I'm doing that thing I said I wasn't going to do. Basically, if you got time to check your email, you got to find time to do something with your email. If you do, if you, if you get that balance wrong for too long, you're a sad tomato. That's really all it is. But no, it's super weird because it was such a big part of who I was for so long. And uh, it, it, became, it became very strange to hear it in all these different places and to hear, like, as I say, I mean, it's not the first time I've heard it on public radio or similar places. I've, I've, I hear people talk about it. And, you know, most mostly these days I hear it as, unless you're one of those inbox zero people, mm. which you say disparagingly, because yeah. you're supposed to be like that Marian librarian person who's very prim and won't leave the office until you've done all your email. That's what they mean by an inbox zero person. Or it just means that you don't, don't respond to your email properly, you know? I don't, I don't think it means that anymore. I think there's a time when it had that Tim Ferriss flavor of, oh, all my email gets chucked into a big barrel and then I lift it. And then I pour it over somebody's head. Um, I literally came across an entire continent this morning. <laughs> Egg whites, almonds. Uh, Cut that out. <laughs> Do you, uh, <laughs> did you ever consider trying? I just killed a guy with a hammock. <laughs> and hung him between two trees. <laughs> uh, they weren't even my trees. I outsourced I did it in four hours. Thing. If you could, if you're going to learn to life jack or intrapreneur or heart bless, you're going to have to really get down and dirty. And by that, I mean sleep literally all day. <laughs> this is the best ideas come in your dreams. I come in my dreams sometimes. Uh-huh. I mean, you know. I... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be busy coming into uh, Matt Alexander's vertical soon. I'm really hoping I get an invite. To the, to the verticals. Yeah, well, you know, I'm just hoping I get to enter Matt's space sometime soon. So do I. I could suck a lot of oxygen out of that vertical. I think we're done here. Thank you. Thank you for having <laughs> no, me. No, it's Mike. always a pleasure. Mr. Merlin, man, you are a saint. You are a absolute treasure to podcasting and the corner of the internet of which we... Take your time working your way out of this because I want to see where it's going to go. The, the corner of the internet of which we find ourselves in, we would be lost without you. You are, you what are I will a, say but a is shining light. I am, I am your friend, I'm Michael, and it's an honor to be thus and such. I would be happy to do anything, anytime, and I'm very happy for how things are going uh, with your, your new full-time career. And thank you for having me on. Thank anytime, you. I would be happy thank to. Thank you, sir. Because he won't do it, if you want to find him on uh, Twitter, Merlin Man is at Hot Dogs Ladies. Uh, on Twitter, he is the host of Roderick on the Line and Back to Work, two fantabulous podcasts of which you'll find links to in today's show notes, which are at relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 11. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm at iMike. Thank you so much to our sponsors today. They are the fantastic people at Backblaze, Igloo, and Campaign Monitor. Help support us by supporting them. I'll be back next time with another episode of Inquisitive. Until then, goodbye. Ah, it's terrible.